Welcome back to ASD, A New Perspective, a podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee, and in this week's podcast, Dr. Sheely talks to parents of newly diagnosed children. Let's listen in. Um, I think there are two things that I hear from parents when they're given the diagnosis. Um, Maybe three. One is uh, just uh, uh, an an incredible sadness. And they will often burst into tears and kind of look at each other and just say, oh, no, oh, no. And then another one is shock because they thought, what was going to be said to them is, look at your look at your baby, this baby talking, you know, so young to be talking, and look what they can do. They can count to a hundred or something like that, and they would not. Ha- they didn't have any idea that there were some holes and gaps in the development. And then I think the third one is a relief. You know, I knew it, and everybody kept saying. He's okay. He's okay. And I knew he wasn't okay. I knew there was a problem. I knew that what I was seeing in terms of my other four children, I knew this was different. And I knew that the relation, the relational qualities weren't there. I love him and I know he loves me, but it was different. And so I'm just relieved to have someone verify to me, yes, you were right. You were seeing this. And because now I feel like I can move forward and I know how to get help to move forward. So those are the three main um, responses that I get. Well, they all three make sense. I have to wonder, uh, as opposed to 25 years ago for us, when there wasn't a lot of information uh, versus today, where sometimes I feel like there's, I don't guess there can be too much information, but maybe even pre knowing their child has autism, there's shows about autism. There's, there's series about characters who have autism. And I wonder if that has its own challenges, Dr. Sheely. For me, it has challenges. I, I feel like a parent who's just getting this diagnosis wants to make a good choice. And I don't know so much about other countries, but I know we have this saying in the United States, which is no stone left unturned. And which means I'm going to do everything, which is the first big mistake <laughs> that I feel a parent can make. But they're bombarded with so much information. And they're also bombarded with parent groups and groups of um, autistics who are talking about what needs to happen, what shouldn't have happened. The parents become very confused. And in that confusion, Not only are they feeling confusion about how to go forward with their child, but how to get the help they need. What do they choose? And so I feel that there is really um, too much help. It's one of the reasons, Catherine, that I I I will give um, I will give time to any newly diagnosed parent when somebody says, "Oh, go talk to her. She'll be helpful." I talk to them because I want to encourage them. I want to focus them. I want them to be thinking not about what they've just heard, but where their child is going to be at 21. 
So, and I know a lot of our consultants do that too. Uh, we're not saying come work with me. We're saying we know what you're going through and we'd like to help you know how to think about that. And I just think of all those messages coming from, as you said, social media groups and, and, and the no stone left unturned can mean no group left unjoined, <laughs> you know, and, and the, you know, which can be really confusing because uh, so much information and, and of course, as we always say, the individuality of the child, it's so hard for anyone to give uh, feedback to a family, whether it's in a, a parent group or what it may be about their individual child, that, that, that child has to be looked at. Yes, it does. And um, I believe that RDI has positioned itself right now in a good place because we've always listened to parents. And I remember when parents used to say to me, you know, I actually did not see anything different. It gave me a period of time. And of course, that wasn't what the literature was saying. The literature was saying something different. So we really took those parents at face value, that they knew what they were looking at, and that the children were not exhibiting these signs of autism until they were a little bit older. And sure enough, you know, the most recent research is showing that about six months of age, there is a divergence and that the children with autism go on to be status maintaining and the children who go on to be, to not have autism are growth seeking. And those are two very major things. So. Which is with that research and that information, it's likely that diagnosis may be coming earlier, I would think. What do you think? Yes, but I would also warn about that. Um, the reason I would warn about it, I've seen probably hundreds of children now. And I have this sense, I think, that I can spot a child who has autism. Um, but a friend's grandson who was arching his back, turning away, uh, not looking at us, uh, Steve and I would look at him and we would say, are you worried? And I'd say, yeah, I, I I am worried. Catherine, at 18 months of age, we went to a block party and he was, all of those signs were gone. They were completely gone. We were seeing joy and attention. We're seeing language. We're seeing a social butterfly Mm -hmm. at at a block party. So I think that we still have to be really careful with that diagnosis. And even though we might suspect something like that, Uh, early on well we can start doing RDI because RDI is just what you do with any child so you can always do it but to not make that diagnosis too early I think that's such wise wise advice and again with all the messages and autism being so media prominent uh, I think that's just such a wise word and I was thinking I talked about the individuality of the child, but I didn't talk about the individuality of the family, which is also so important for when parents receive that diagnosis to realize their family is an individual family. I think family can get muddled when that diagnosis comes in. Well, we've certainly had a few podcasts about grandparents 
And we feel like we can talk about grandparents because we are grandparents. But um, families, families are a unit. They support each other. And sometimes for all the right reasons, they actually do the wrong things. I know that in my own family, my mother used to say to my cousin, he's just fine. There, he's just fine. Don't listen. And meanwhile, he wasn't just fine. And uh, so it didn't help my cousin, who was grieving and trying to figure out what to do, hear my mother say, oh, he's fine. He's fine. And so even though my mother loved their little boy and babysat him all the time and he adored her, those words were not so helpful. Then I think the other thing that happens is that parents are individuals too. And while they come together to be with their child or to work with their child, they come from very different backgrounds. And in my experience, when something is a bit askew, people begin to embrace the way they were raised. And typically that would not be the same. And so, you know, if you came from a lenient family, let's be a lenient family, let's follow this. Or if you came from a strict family, this boy is going to do this, you know. And so you have that sort of thing. Then it's compounded by siblings. And, you know, Catherine, one of the first things that we say to, we say to parents is, we want your family to be a strong family. We don't want you to be an autism family. And so that means that you, your husband and wife, are going to go out together. You're going to have time for yourselves. You're going to leave children with the babysitter or the grandparents. And then the siblings as well. We want the siblings to know that they are just as important as the child with autism. And we don't want them growing up saying, my brother had autism and he got everything and I got nothing. So working with that family system becomes especially important because we want the family system to be strong. We don't want the, the parents and everybody focused on the child with autism. I remember that time so well, like it was yesterday, as I've told you before, and one of our first fears was for our daughter mm-hmm. and exactly what you talked about, uh, that she would, I, I don't mean get left in the dust, you know, but that the balance, it would be way out of balance what she received from us versus what our son received from us. And we really had to put in a plan, you know, from us knowing each other for so long, I like a plan. And uh, we put in a plan to try to make sure that did not happen. But however people do it, it's just so important. Um, it, it I think couldn't it's important. Be- you know, and I think that's one of the questions that I, uh, I, that I will suggest people ask when they're looking for someone to work with. Um, how do you view my family? How do you view the two brothers and the sister? What, what's your approach for that? And to be honest with you, if the person doesn't have an answer, um, keep looking around. Somebody will have that answer for you. I think another good question for parents to ask is, who is this not indicated for? So, you know, we'll hear things like everybody needs to be on a gluten-free diet or all of these children have sensory issues. They need to be getting OT. Everybody is dysgraphic and need, they need handwriting. But... I think if you can say to the professional you're talking to, uh, who, who shouldn't be doing this? Who doesn't need this? 
I mean, that, that question is just as important as what will you be doing with my child who has autism? I, I love that you're speaking to families uh, who may have received a new diagnosis to know what to do, because it's actually one of the most searched topics online by parents. I've just got a diagnosis. What should I do? And one of the things I love about you and Dr. Gustine is you say, slow down, give yourself a moment. A fast decisions won't necessarily be your best friends. Uh, I think it's so important what you say, but I think it's very hard for parents, don't you? I think it's I think it's hard, and I know I'm I'm not saying that um, I would do it differently. I can imagine uh, what it, what it's like. You know what it's like. I can imagine what it's like, and so that need to do something because at least if you're doing something, you're not feeling so anxious you're feeling like you have agency. <laughs> you know, we talk about agency. So you feel like you have agency. You have the ability to take this on and go with it. And so sometimes you'll just jump in too quickly. I, I remember, and I know this is pretty raw, as they say, but just like yesterday that he was two and uh, we had some friends over and he, my son was in the other room. I think maybe we had a sitter. And I just wasn't being able to relax. And my friend didn't know anything about autism and neither did I, frankly. But uh, I remember she was like, are you okay? And I said, I feel like he's just dying in the other room. And I think back on that, like, that's a pretty heavy thing to say. Like, that you feel like your child might be dying in the other room. And she said, he's not dying. And I knew she was right. But I think it speaks to the trauma uh, it speaks to the love. It speaks to being a mom, I think, of what our, where our minds can go and the crisis we can feel. Um, and it speaks for our love as well. But just yeah. if people have those feel like they're irrational, it's because sometimes that pushes you to that place in your mind. You know, I would say that um, certainly it is irrational to think that that's happening in the other room. But I also think it's a very natural response to an unnatural event. And so you're suddenly hit with something that you might not have even heard of or you don't know much about or you didn't expect. And you, of course, you're going to respond that way. And it's, I think if we can kind of normalize that response to it and let parents know they're not alone in the way they're feeling. Other parents have felt the same way. There's some comfort in that. Okay, I'm not crazy. I'm going to be able to do that. I'm looking at my best friend. She did it. You know, I can do this. And what I feel is okay because that's what I feel. Well, I love what we bring to the table in RDIs. One of the things I was so attracted to is that you and Dr. Gutstein first address those feelings of crisis that parents can find themselves in all of a sudden. And as you noted, for some parents, a shock, because that's just not what they expected to be said. Uh, and that we in RDI, we start right up front uh, facing that and asking those important questions. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of ASD, A New Perspective. The podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we do encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.